All right. Looks like the rapture hit this morning. <laughs> and the people in church didn't make it. What in, the, what in the world? All right, just kidding. The rapture did not hit. I think spring break did. And uh, obviously spring forward uh, sprung on a lot of people. So we're, we are going to have a good time, though. You guys ready to have a good time? <laughs> Man, the ones that are here, you are ready. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 15. And if you are just joining us at All People's Church this afternoon, uh, Stephanie, my wife, and I would love to invite you to our Welcome to the Family Lunch taking place following the second service in the cafeteria. We'll be sharing more about our vision and values, also feed you a free lunch, explain how you can be a part of the family here, what God is doing. Next weekend, please be praying 500 plus of us will be heading to Mexico and actually being a part of launching the first campus of all peoples in Playa de Tijuana. So, so exciting. And for those of you that are staying back as the prayer team, please be interceding for this monumental event as well as join us here at 11 a.m. for the one service. We'll be shrinking our three services down into one. So 9 and 6.30 will be canceled. We're going to jump in this morning. Please pray with me. Father, I ask as we open up your precious word that you would illuminate our minds and you would soften our hearts. We are expectant for you to instruct us and to deposit eternal principles in us that will change our life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you a, a little picture that my mother sent me this week. I think we, we have it to, uh, to show you. And um, this, was, uh, this was kind of embarrassing to get this past, this past week. Uh, let me, let me um, for, first of all, uh, you'll notice that my name is Robert Heber on there. And uh, that's pretty painful. And this was my childhood modeling shot kind of uh, embarrassed to show it to you. And before you start judging my parents, uh, they, they were not the, the type of people who were pushing a Hollywood prodigy. Um, they were not wanting to make a lot of, of, of money off of uh, me and my uh, little sweater there. Uh, they, <laughs> this was all my idea. I, I, from the earliest possible age, uh, I wanted... I wanted my name up in lights. I wanted to be special. I, I wanted to um, be the next uh, Zach Morris. Uh, and and uh, you can take that down now. That's quite enough. And I don't know why. I, we didn't get one, one callback from that picture. Uh, uh, maybe I'm sure it's because they misspelled my name and they've been looking. There's probably still agencies looking for me uh, to, the, to this day. But, but uh, here, here's, the, here's the point of this uh, very self-effacing story is from, from uh, my early stage, I, I was hoping to be something important. I was, I was wanting to be special, and this culminated in that story I told when we began this series on World Mandate Weekend, where I came out from behind the stage and was singing in front of a couple thousand people in this musical debut at our university and 
just so excited that I had finally arrived and then came to the very disappointing reality that the next day that no one even remembered it happened and it hadn't turned the campus upside down. And, you know, that year I was also the social chairman of my fraternity and spending all this time trying to create these galas and, and events to entertain the socially elite on campus. And so when I finally sit down with the first guy to disciple me, Mark Masterson, and he challenges me to walk away from the, the stage and the lights and to push back the ideas of changing my campus through parties and through big mixers and events. This was a hard pill to swallow for me because he was saying, I want, I want to challenge you to take your life and invest it in some younger men. And my idea as a college upperclassman enthralled with just the the social activities of campus, the last thing I wanted to do was to walk around with some clueless freshmen. <laughs> and I knew this was going to be costly for me. I knew this was going to be painful for, for my heart and, and my reputation because life was just all about me. And I, when I think about Jesus... And I think about what he was doing. We're, we're continuing our Discipleship Revolution series this morning. When I think about Jesus, if you just think about Jesus, the king of kings, the sovereign over the nations, the Lord over all creation, and you think about him coming and, and, and walking on the earth, and making time to hang out with some young, with some rough around the edges, with some smelly backwoods fishermen. Now that, to me, is a blow away. I mean, talk about costly. The, the, the worldly leaders, would you'd never see them doing this, right? I mean, even if you and I, just as, as ordinary people... Middle class people maybe in, in America, if we wanted to meet with the president, it's not going to happen. If you tried to get an appointment with the prime minister, with a king, good luck, right? You probably couldn't even get an appointment with the CEO of a very successful company in our nation. Why? Because these guys are busy and they have priorities. And so when you start meditating on the fact that the sovereign over all nations came and walked along dusty roads and made time for simple people. And anyone could talk to him. And anyone could approach him. It is an absolute mental blow away. And why? Why? It's found here in John 15. Hopefully you found that by now. And looking in verse 9, it says this. Listen, listen to this. Profound verse, as the Father, he's talking about God, this is Jesus speaking, this is all in red. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. As the Father has loved me, Jesus is saying, as the Father, as, as God of the universe has loved me, the Son of God, so I have loved you. How much does the Father, how much does God eternal love Jesus? Like, have you ever thought about this? Could you, could you weigh it 
on a scale? Can we wrap our minds around how much the Father loves Jesus? I mean, I just think about how much I love my little four pipsqueaks in my house. Uh, every night, every night of their life, I go in, I, I hug them, I kiss them, I tuck them in, I, I smother them, and then later on, while, when they're asleep, every night I walk back in and just stare at them. Every night. They're so much cuter when they're asleep. Now, they're always cute, but, but, but they can't say anything back to me. And, and I, stand, I stand over them, and sometimes my heart is overwhelmed with love. And I'm just like, oh, I never want you to grow up and leave me. Don't leave me. You know, I just, I'm so in love with these four kids. And every morning they wake up, I wrap them up, I hold them, I kiss them. I'm, I am obsessed with these four little Herbers, not Hebers, Herbers. I'm obsessed with these four little kids, and I am just a finite, faulty, not perfect father. But how much does Father God, in whom there's no shadow of turning, the, he is love. How much does he love the only begotten son, Jesus? How much is his heart just raining affection towards him? And in that regard, Jesus says, that's the same way I love you. Wow. I mean, think about it. If you could put his love in like a, 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 a gush of water, we would be, you know, just blown back against the wall. <gasps> Stop! You know, you, you couldn't take the, the, the pressure, the water pressure of love coming at you from Jesus. And, I, and I, I read this, and I'm so convicted because I'm like, I'm not like that towards people. And, and so you've got to understand that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And so in this whole context of discipleship, of pouring our life into other people, it's all about love. If you're taking notes this morning, the, the title of this message is It's All About Love. We're going to the heart of the matter of discipleship this morning, and it's all about love because Jesus gave us the perfect model of discipleship, and he was showing that the essence, that the heart behind discipleship is love, his love going and pouring into people. You know, I, I, I just had to look at myself and, and say, I don't, I don't love people like that. If truth be known, I love myself. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only person in here that, that, that would say that. I mean, if I could put a, a mind-thought-tracking device on your head and then project it up on that screen right there, it's kind of a spooky. Some people are like, like I actually saw y'all go, <clears throat> and it, we just listed out the thoughts on that screen right there. Just ding, 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 ding. How many thoughts, if we put on the left side, thoughts about yourself, and the right side, thinking about others? What side would weigh more heavily? <laughs> you know, I mean, how, what, what percentage of the left side would be full? Thoughts about self. And then the percentage of the right side, 
good, not good thoughts about others. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about others. <laughs> uh, what, what, you know, what, what, what would it turn out to on that, on that side? I, I, and, and we were looking at this, this verse last week, Mark 12, 29 and 30, where one of the teachers of the law comes and, and asks Jesus what the greatest commandment is, and Jesus says this, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. He puts these together. He says, okay, loving me, and then the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. And you start to realize, okay, if I want to be like Jesus, if this whole thing, this whole Christian life is being like Jesus, then I've got to learn to love my neighbor, so my lifestyle has to change, and, 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 and so in that moment, I started thinking, okay, so I need to reprioritize my time from being on stage as a singer and trying to garner accolades to myself and spending all my time as a social chairman in this fraternity trying to create these experiences and these adventures really so people can say that robber he's cool he's fun he's exciting to reprioritizing to say no really it's about loving other people i need to do things that benefit other people and that's really where this discipleship thing started bringing a conviction of wow if i'm spending my time with younger guys that really don't do something for me, but really allow me to be like Jesus, then that, I think, is Mark 12 kind of love. And so my life started shifting. I mean, I, I really stopped spending all this time just trying to be big man on campus, BMOC, right? Big man on campus, BMOC. And, and I, I, I'm going to try to be more like Jesus, making disciples. And, and so I started spending time with these younger guys and trying to invest in them and, and, and prioritize what's best for them. And, and, and I, I just want to tell you, it was really painful for me because I, when you start trying to live for others, and, and, and it was just the beginning of that. And I'm still so far in the journey. I mean, I, I, I am, am, am just a, a, I mean, in so many ways, I'm probably still just beginning this journey. But when you start prioritizing that, you realize the priorities you have in life. And, and you start realizing how many of the priorities are all about you. But you, you, you study Jesus and you go, man, Jesus loved people. That was his priority. Like, have you ever looked at the Bible to see how Jesus loved people? Like, have you ever looked through the lens, studied Jesus to go, how, Jesus, how did you interact with people? Because when you, when you start reading this book that way, you come to these beautiful pictures. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about, we, I was talking about my children. How did Jesus love children? You know, the, the disciples are trying to, trying to keep the kids away, and Jesus, you just see him just gathering 
The kid, let the little children come unto me. And you see him touching them and honoring them. And, and you see Jesus, Jesus raised the children from the dead. And, and, and then you see Jesus with the poor. And, and, and rulers, you know, they typically only stop for the poor for a photo shoot. And yet Jesus is, is, is living like the poor. Like he is relegating himself to poverty to be among the poor. I mean that is incredible to think about walking in the dust instead of these squadrons of soldiers around. The poor could come up to him and he's fellowshipping with them. Jesus is with sinners even when it looked like it could taint, it could tarnish his reputation. Jesus is talking to women. He's talking to women of ill repute even when the religious leaders are like, what in the world is going on with you? Jesus is in the home of sinners, of tax collectors. Jesus just loved people. I love the rich young ruler comes to him and Jesus gives him this hard challenge but it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Like what did his face look like so that the writer of that scripture said Jesus looked at him and loved him? Have you, do you think about Jesus' face towards people? Like I, I, I think so much about Jesus' face. Do you think about Jesus' face? Like when people looked at him, what, what did they see? Like sometimes I just go in the mirror and I'm like, okay. You know, I have my eyes closed and then I look and I'm like, like, what, what, what did they see when they saw Jesus' face? You know, and I'm like, no, that's not, that, not quite it. You know, it's, <clears throat> and, and what did they see in his eyes? Like in the eye, in, in the smile of Jesus. I, I, I've actually gotten so focused on this. You know, I'm like, well, we lay hands on people and, and ask for God to bless them or ask God to heal them. Why don't I, can I just lay hands on my face? And say, change my face, God, to look like Jesus. I don't want to be one of those scowling Christians. So many of us look like we've been sucking on lemons. Right? And that, I don't think that's what people saw when they saw Jesus. They, they saw love and they, they felt love. John 15, it says all the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus to see what he had to say. Like, is that the kind of Christian you are that people just gather around you because they feel loved by you? Like, that's so how I, I, I want to be. But, but I, I find so many times we, we just have these other values that are conflicting with that. And that's when, when Mark Masterson, the first guy that started investing in my life, as I was around him, I just saw, man, man I, I think he's actually like Jesus. Uh, it was so funny because I would get frustrated. Jesus would, would always get interrupted. Have you ever noticed that? Like half of Jesus' stories, it says he's going here and then someone stops him. And then there's like a side story. Like then he heals the woman with the issue of blood. Or he's going there, but then a servant stops him and says, well, you come heal. Jesus seemed to be okay with those interruptions. Like do we love people so we're okay to be interrupted by people? I'm more like, you know, I'm doing my thing for Jesus, and someone comes up, and it's like, could you help me? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm not like Jesus in that way, but I, I want to be, are, are we okay with, with being interrupted? Because is it all about people for us? 
I remember meeting with Mark Masterson in discipleship, and we were always getting interrupted by people. And, and, and Mark would take time to love them, and I would be like, uh-uh, this is my time. My discipleship time. Like, don't messy. You know, don't, 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 don't messy with Robbie's time, right? Like, this... This is my time to get poured into so I can love people like you. So get out of here. (laughs) Are we like that? We're like, don't get in my way. I'm going to drive into church to learn how to be loving right now. Get out of my way. Get out of my chair. That's this where I sit in church. Get out of there because I'm going to learn to love you. Right? (laughs) That's how we are. <laughs> and, and, and I just see with, I would just see with Mark this, he, he'd stop for people. He'd learn their names. He'd look at them in the eyes. He was so encouraging to them. He's building them up. He's always inviting people. Hey, come and come to our life group this week. I want, I'd love for you to be there with me. And, it was, it was all about, he'd stop to help people. It was, it was amazing to me. The, I remember one, one night we were going somewhere, and um, he was so late, and I was just ticked. I'm like, hey, you know, where are you? What, what's the deal? And I kept pushing him, and finally he was like, sorry, man, I, I'm, I'm on this little fast, and so I was trying to make some food and take it to the poor and give to them, and I'm so sorry I'm late. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Like, I'm mad at you for trying to live out the Bible. You know, I'm so, when I'm fasting, I'm just mad at everyone that's eating in the world. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and here Mark is, like, fasting and cooking for the poor to live out, you know, the book of Isaiah. And, I, and I'm ticked at him because I'm late. And I, I just want to be that way. I'm just so, so convicted about when you, when, it, when you see someone who loves people like Jesus did, it's just so convicting. But I, I find for myself that so often I can have my own agenda. You know, what, what are our agendas? What, what are the temptations that keep us from, from loving people like, like Jesus did? The, the, the amazing thing is this. The scripture says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. So do you know that it's not... We think, well, Jesus, that's just you. That's just your nature. You never had to deal with anything we did. It's not true. Jesus had the same temptation. In fact, if you turn with me right now to Mark chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 4, um, I, I want to look at these temptations and, and maybe look at them from a little different light because you've got to understand that Jesus' whole mission was about loving people. It's about loving God and and loving people, and he didn't divorce the two. And so Jesus is going to live his life for other people. He's going to lay down his life for other people. And right after this fast that he goes on this 40-day fast to prepare himself for his mission, the devil comes and tempts him. And let's just jump in, into the story because I think it's very pertinent for us today. Matthew 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Duh. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Now, 40 days of fasting, he's had nothing, and so all of a sudden, the devil comes and says, turn these stones into bread. Satisfy your hunger. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father's mouth, the mouth of God. Let me just give you some, some, some context out in the desert preparing himself to give his life for people and the devil comes and he's looking you know in the desert there's lots of stones and he's showing him these stones and saying this he's saying Jesus meet your momentary needs satisfy the the temporal desires of your body right now Okay, because we can kind of spiritualize this and we can just think, you know, like, I never have wandered off in like the Anzo Borrega Desert for 40 days and wandered around and then the devil himself comes and we start flying around Jerusalem and him tempting me, you know, we're, that, that's not that relatable to us. But just think of yourself in everyday life and you're trying to live by God, for God and all of a sudden you just have this desire like, oh, I've got to have a Frappuccino. Oh my gosh, I've got to have a Frappuccino right now. You know, we have those kind of desire. Oh my goodness, the newest iPhone came out, and I don't have one today. You know, and these temporal desires that, that, that make you just think, that, that's what I've got to watch this show. Oh my goodness, it's been 30 seconds since I've checked Instagram. Oh my gosh, I mean, like so many things could have happened in those last 30 seconds. And, and, and this is the temptation to satisfy, satisfy our momentary pleasures. I am sure in that moment that there was nothing that sounded better in the whole world than some tasty, warm, Jewish, just like Mary used to make bread. <laughs> and, and I, I'm sure Jesus' mouth just starts watering, and he's like, oh, it's my mama's bread. Right there, that's so moist. It's just thick and sweet. It's kind of like Hawaiian bread, but this is, it's got its own Jewish flair. And I understand. I, I'm not one of those people that's like, hey, every meal, just give me a tuna sandwich. I'm cool, right? No, that is not me. You know, I, like, I daydream about food. I dream about food. You know, I mean, food is like, oh, I love you. You know, it's... Uh, and maybe it's not food for you, but what is it for you that you could sell out for? Like, is there, maybe, maybe it's not that, but maybe it's, a, it's an experience, it's a fun experience, like, oh, just, and, and, and that fun experience, like, everything will go by the wayside for you to spend a day on the beach, like, you, you would put that momentary feeding our flesh, feeding our pleasures. These aren't bad things. There is nothing bad about bread, right? But it, there's something horrible about bread if it takes the position of your mission of giving your life for people. And I find that we do that for things, for stuff, for experiences. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And he passes the first test. I, I, I see like in restaurants, you know, 
people get so ticked when they don't get the right food. Have you ever noticed that? They're like, you go back there and you tell that man, you crawl under a rock, you go find it for me. And, you, and, and what are we doing? All of a sudden, we're caring more about stuff than the very person. We make a person feel horrible. People are eternal to get our perfect little morsel that's completely temporal. will be gone in an instant. So often, people are a means to an end to us. Right? The waiter isn't a person. The waiter's there to serve me. The, the attendant behind the, 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 the cashier, the, the cashier is all of a sudden a means for me to buy some stuff. My, my coworker is a means for me to get a project done. The, the, the student next to me, you know, the person walking on the sidewalk, they're in my way. They're not a person that's highly and dearly loved by God. The, 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 pers- the people in front of us are what matters most in the world. How are we loving people? Look at the next temptation. Verse 5 is where we pick up. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you. And they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It's also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So this one we often think is totally unrelatable. You're like, you know, God has never taken me to the top of the Crawford Auditorium and looked down and said, like, jump, you know, I mean the devil. I'm sorry. The devil's never taken me to the top of the auditorium and said, like, jump and, and, and some angels will save you. And you're like, this is, just, this is just Jesus, like this kind of stuff. But think about it this way. Here's what the devil's saying. He's saying, Jesus you can do what you want because God loves you and he'll take care of you. I, I want to tell you that this is a temptation for Christians. Christian, you can just do what you want because God loves you. He's going to save you anyway. You can just live how you want because it, it, it's all grace anyway. And he's just going to save you, and he'll love you. And you know what? That's totally true. Like, you, you don't have to love people, and God will still save you. And God will still love you. So why would we change? I love what Jesus says. He says this, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to be in to that. I'm not going to put grace to the test. He's like, that's that's not the point here. Yeah, he'd save me, but why would I test him like that? Why would I stretch as far out and say it's all about me? It's not all about me, is what Jesus is saying. Yeah, you can live however you want. And because of God's goodness and his grace, he will still love you. But Will you live out the destiny on your life? Will you change the world or will it be just about you? There's tremendous grace for it just to be about you having a nice life. But let me ask you, will you have really fulfilled the purpose that God puts you on planet Earth for? And now look at this last one, the last temptation. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, think about this, guys. The, the tempt, Jesus wasn't, the, the, the temptation for Jesus wasn't going, wow, you know, devil. I, I, I picture, you know, who knows what it was like, but I picture this, you know, mean red figure with these horns, you know, and tail and pitchfork. And, <clears throat> and I don't think Jesus was like, oh, wow, I'm tempted to worship you. You know, compared to the glorious, majestic, splendid God radiating in light angels surrounding him. I don't think he's like, yeah, oh, wow, that's a big temptation to worship. No. What's the temptation to take a shortcut? Now think about this. The devil was offering Jesus everything that would be his in the future. The inheritance of all the nations. All the splendor. All the majesty. All the power, every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue coming and, and kneeling before Jesus without Jesus having to go to the cross. Without Jesus having to lay down his life. He's saying, take a shortcut. And you know what, Jesus? You're not going to have to come and walk on earth as a homeless man, laying down your life, dealing with people all the time, snotty kids, complaining people, hungry people. You're not going to have to hang out with your bozo disciples who can't ever seem to get it. You're you're not going to have to deal with Peter, one of your best friends in the world, denying you and the pain that came with that. You don't have to deal with Judas, one of your friends who lived with you for three years, betraying you. Jesus, you, you can take a shortcut, and you don't have to deal with the Pharisees hating you and persecuting you, and all you're trying to do is love people. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to pick up a cross for other people and take everyone else's sin. You don't have to get nailed to that cross. You don't have to suffer and die and be brutally murdered for other people. You can just take a shortcut out of that. That is a big temptation. Have all of the benefits of your inheritance without the pain? Guys, I I can relate to this, right? Like, so often I want my Christianity to be sitting in a big, overstuffed, comfy chair with some nice worship music, with a big cup of coffee, with the perfect creamer. I sweeten it with honey because I don't want sugar to decay my teeth, but I... And I want to, um, I wanted to sit there and read the Bible in that perfect atmosphere and learn about the kingdom of God and just have this great revelation in this nice, and, and I want to experience the peace and I want to experience the joy. I want to experience the green pastures and the quiet waters. I don't want to walk through the valley of shadow of death. Right? I want to read in the Bible and have this revelation about love. But I don't want to go out on the streets and actually have to do it. Right? I mean, isn't that us as Christians? We're like, I want the shortcut. I want everything that this book says I can have just without going through anything that this book says I might go through. I probably can't say it again. Too painful. Jesus says, 
Away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord your God and serve. Say serve. Serve him only. Serving is laying down our life for people. Hebrews 6 says God is not unjust and he will not forget your work or the way you've loved him by serving others. It's we love God by laying down our life for others. God sees when you take your time and invest in others. He says, that's your worship to me. That's you loving me. And in fact, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. And it's so hard because my mind and my heart just want to revolve all around me. And I'd I'd love to say when I started discipling guys that I just got it and it just changed. But here's the crazy thing is I started discipling guys and, and it's so Interesting how fast you can go sideways. Like, you can get into yourself when you're doing something for some other people. Let me just tell you a really embarrassing story. I, so I started discipling some guys, and I remember back in the church when, where I first started discipling some people, we had this balcony, and that's where I'd sit. And I'd come into the balcony, and I, I'd try to bring the guys I was discipling. Some of my motivation was good because I wanted them to be changed by the messages I was hearing. Some of it was bad. I actually wanted people to think like, wow, Mr. Discipler. Like, look at how many disciples he has. The train of his robe of disciples fills this temple with glory. (laughs) Right? So ridiculous and 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 then here's the deal like I'd sit back in the balcony and then one of my best friends was being discipled by Mark Masterson at the same time his name was Robert Fuller and, and <clears throat> he started bringing the guys he's his disciple and you can probably tell where the story is going I would have my disciples and you know I'd try to bring as many as I can I'd look at them be like yeah oh, my disciples one two three four and then I'd look over at Robert and be like one two three yes I have more disciples I know it's sick. <laughs> I, I, I mean, how, how stu- and, and, and if I had more disciples, I was like, yeah, I'm Mr. Discipler. What's up? And, you know, all of a sudden, some of my disciples, that some of the people I was investing in, they started falling into sin, and they stopped showing up. And I started feeling so down and discouraged because I'm like, he has more disciples. And, and I, I don't look as good, and I remember talking to God about it, and God was like, you've got this all wrong, son. Like, you, you actually are getting your identity about by how good your disciples look, by how much their lives are being changed. Your identity is in how shiny your sheep are. It's like a shepherd going like, look how clean my sheep are. Yours are dirty over there. My sheep are so clean. The problem is my sheep kept falling in the dirt. And I was taking it as as a knock against my identity. Guys, that's why we have to get our love from God. We have to say, as the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus is saying, I love you. And you receive that love from me and then pour it out on other people. And so this whole thing is about, I get love, I give love. I get love, I give love. Because that is what discipleship is all about. That's what this church is all about. I mean, we could be known for many things, but here's my, my, my highest prayer for all people's church, is that we would be a church marked by the love of Jesus. 
Like more than anything, more than those are, 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 that's great worship, that's a great song they just wrote. I love that our band's writing music and, and it's worshiping God. I'm so proud of that fact, but in the end, that's not what I care about most. People could come and say, good message, thanks, but that, that's not what I care about most. Here's what I care about. I care about that people come into our midst or people experience this on the streets and they're like, wow, those people love like Jesus. And wow, when I met with them, and so let me just wrap up this message. Guys, when you make disciples, when you invest in another person, it's about loving them. It's about be being there for them. You won't be perfect, and you can't live every single moment. There's very few people in here that are called to be a homeless person that just lives with your disciples and wanders from village to village, healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out the devil. We have jobs, we have families, we have school, but you are called to love people like Jesus does. And, and, and just spending one hour consistently or one hour every other week with someone, but you're there and they can call you and they know Robert is here for me, I can call him, he cares, he's praying for me. Do we actually pray for other people? Like, most of us wouldn't have any other person praying for us in the world, but then all of a sudden there's someone who's saying, I'm going to invest in you, and then you consistently pray for them, praying for God to meet their needs, and then someone who believes for us to become great, and we call the goal out of people, and we encourage them, and we build them up, and we say, you've got this gift, now run, and I'm behind you, and I want to serve you, and I want to I I get under you and lift you up and make you great. It's not about you making me great. It's about me making you great. Guys, what kind of church would that be if that's what we were like? It's all about loving people. Love people like Jesus did. When we stand up. Lord, we... We want to love people like you did. And um, this, this is what I just see in my mind right now, so I just want to be obedient. If this morning what we're talking about this loving people, and you're like, you know what, my heart is burning to love people like Jesus did. Like, I... I I, I just want to take an act of obedience. I want to take a step of faith and just say, Lord, change me to really loving people. Let's just do a different ministry time than normal. Just come down and stand down in front. Say, yeah, I want to be marked by love. I want people to see love on my face. Just start moving now. I just want to pray over you. I want us to just consecrate ourselves to the Lord. You're just saying, yeah, I just, that's what I want. I, I, I want to be seen with the love of Jesus on my face. I want my heart to, to just pour out. Just open your hands and, and just start asking God, just God, give me a heart of love. Lord, when I walk into stores, that I wouldn't just be about my own agenda, but that I would love the next person in front of me. When I'm on the streets, that I would just be pouring out 
your love, when I'm in my job, Lord, let me not just try to get my work done. Let me not be annoyed with people. Instead, let me see that I'm put there as an emissary by Jesus to shower love on my coworkers as I'm in my school. Let me just see the people around me. Let me just pour out love. Oh, God, won't you baptize us with your love today that we would be a church of love? And that this city would say, oh, Christians, they're the most loving people. They wouldn't say anymore they're the most hypocritical people. They'd say they're the most loving people. I love talking to Christians because they just encourage me. I love talking to Christians because they just build me up. God, fill my friends today with your love. God, we just, we come before you, we just say, we just... We want to be a people of love. And Lord, that's the whole reason we're going to Mexico, God. We don't want to go as this prideful people saying we've got it all together because we don't, Lord. We don't, but what we do know is that we need you and that everyone else needs you. And so let people just feel loved as we're on the streets of Tijuana next weekend. And Lord, as we go about our day and our week in San Diego, let there just be love. Would you just start raising your voice, asking God to make us a church of love? Would you just start praying that we would be a people of love? Jesus said that his house would be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what the nations need. They need love. Lord, we're asking, change us. Change our families. Change us into a people of love, Lord. We want to love people like you do.